Witches on the Mountain, Episode 6 The little red motor car sped towards the mountain. The driver, familiar it seemed with the roads that curved their way towards his home, in which he dwelled. Yes, many mornings he would take the roads heading back from the city where he worked beneath the mountain. The sound of his motor car could be heard as the brakes screeched around the mountain roads. The car sped its way up the old snowy lane. The smoke from the beautiful green cabin often could be seen even from the frost that glazed his windscreen. The sound of music, almost a symphony to the mountain's backdrop. Beside him, his trusted sidekick, John Lennon. Both the man and his dog loved the fresh smell of the mountain air and the cold, snowy morning he thought was the most beautiful drive. You could often see the wind blowing the trees, he thought, as the rhythm from his speakers slowly turned down. He came closer to the driveway. He gently parked his car next to an old metal fence as his dog jumped out of the window, pushed him aside and walked up the steps ahead of his owner. He chuckled at the excitement of the dog. John Lennon would often go to work with him at the old pub that stood beneath the steps of the incline. Many people would greet that dog as they swatted points of bitter and ale into the early morning after a successful climb. For most, that climb might have started two days before. No place for the faint-hearted, he often thought, that incline. Many tourists had had a great experience, they say in the little old pub beneath the incline. Many mornings you might find a drunken tourist a victim of the British term lock-in, meaning to serve customers after hours in the early hours of the morning. Many great bars and pubs throughout the world can tell great stories of the bars that would close doors at 11 and what customers were left in there were left to drink till morning light it came. He exited the little red car, approached the brown gate with the double hooks. He lived with his wife and daughter, so he gently removed the locks from his gate so as not to wake them both. His wife, a gifted woman, she was known in many of the witch communities as a great wand maker. They say that many that had purchased one of her handmade wands had great events take place in their lives. The man turned the key on the door, opened it. He was greeted by a young child. She greeted the dog, nearly knocking over her jolly old pop as he chuckled at the chaos of greetings that surrounded him. His wife, now awoke from the noise, came to greet her husband, laughing. After their embrace, his wife quickly cleared away some books from the table, almost knocking over the little toy witch and her broom that her daughter was at play with before Pop's arrival. She sat her husband down and gave him the morning paper. She went towards the kitchen, pulled from it some fresh bacon and lit the cooker. The smell of bacon often reminded her husband of his home, his heart still in the town of Cheltenham where he grew up, surrounded by fields of horses and pubs of, full of English ale. His wife, a good woman, tried to bring a part of England to the great mountains of Colorado. She placed in front of him a great feed of sausages and blood pudding, tomatoes, eggs and mushrooms and brown bread, enough to feed an English army. A hot, hot, hot pot of English tea she poured in front of him. Beneath his feet, his dog, John Lennon, panted at the excitement of falling foods of flavour that might take place before his very eyes. The young child returned from a room beyond carrying with her a telescope. She informed both parents of her expectations of the full moon tonight. She informed them all that they would all be present 
at the mighty tree that stood in the centre of the great garden. It was a giant, giant, giant pine tree that stood overlooking the great forest towards the north, south, east and west. Often she stood at night, the child, she would stare at the great mountains. She spent many nights watching those great mountains. Her mother heard often in Manitou Springs when she would drop wands that she had made at the local enchantment store of a time when the great witches and wizards would descend upon the mountain for the end of days. She often wondered of the curiosity her child had and her demands that associated with that mountain. And she often thought of a strange event at a concert she had attended many years before at a Burning Man with a young blonde woman. She often pondered, hmm. One Halloween, she was asked of a gift that, she, that the child would desire. She informed her mother, the great wand maker, and her, her pop, the great wizard, that she would want a gigantic treehouse and a mighty big telescope. They laughed, and of course, they granted her both. But nobody ever knew why the child required such gifts or why she spent many nights up there in that treehouse overlooking the great mountains. Yet her mother over the years felt she knew. She often kept her child's curious interests quiet for fear that the stories were true of the keeper of the mountain. She worried not of her safety, but she felt the child should never be put in a place of responsibility. A child she felt should discover her gifts in her time. A wise witch, her mother, she became a great teacher to the young child. At night, her father and mother would tell of how they met. All three would sit in a circle around the big pine tree that looked across the Colorado night sky. They would laugh at his exploited burning man and his mother. A few years before the child's mother had seen something that was quite curious to her eye as she walked across the sands of Burning Man at a great techno rave. A great wizard stood behind a great machine that played great sounds out into the masses of humans dancing to the rhythm of his gifted hands that touched the decks of a plastic machine that sent sounds up into the night sky. She was fixated. She moved through the crowd, sand covered her feet, its warmth drove her faster and faster towards the front of the stage at great speed, only to be obstructed by a young woman with blonde hair, a short sleeved shirt, her hands and arms tattooed, a belly button of silver, her shirt tied at the bottom of her waist. She turned to face the young woman, almost to block her path. She whispered to her as the deafening sounds of the concert blocked out any chance of the conversation ever being heard. She whispered to her, the child that you will conceive will be a keeper of the great mountain. The woman, think, the woman thinking bowed under the influence of mushrooms or acid laughed, pushed her to the side with a warm hug and a warm kiss to the cheek and walked faster towards the burly Englishman that spun the decks of steel into the night sky. As she approached him, she turned to look back into an altered state of confusion and she smiled as the young woman in the red shirt slowly walked out of sight. Upon entering the DJ booth, she placed some strange potion onto the big burly man's tongue and proceeded to do likewise. As the sun was going down, she again saw the strange woman in the red shirt. They smiled, both their scent septums from their noses glowed up into a great light. Her eyes glistened from the lasers. They smiled from across the tent of humans laughing as she kissed the lips of her new burly friend she had stolen from his audience. She would often wonder about that strange girl. She would often return to Burning Man, her husband, their dog and their young daughter. But she never came across her again. Their conversation, now more so, was starting to make sense. 
She knew her daughter was gifted. She knew what her purpose was. But was there really an end of days? 2015, she thought, was a very strange year. Little did she know. Little did she know what was to come in the years to come. And how that blonde woman would make a lot of sense. As the pub door opened, a young woman walked across the bar floor, her coat of red draped across her. She asked the young man behind the bar for a hot Irish whiskey. The big burly barman replied in an English strong country accent. No problem, my lady. They were alone at the counter. Their conversation that morning would never be spoken of again. He knew of his future long before he would set foot on the great mountain. He knew of the young girl, the keeper of the mountain, he knew a child he would help conceive would hold great importance in the years to come. It was London, 1999. He would find his way across the ocean a year after. That strange morning in the bar that held, that strange morning in the bar that held corner on Rupert Street across the old alleyways of Soho's magical streets, from magical events. He knew, he knew of the encounter he would have with the woman he would marry. And he knew of the child that would eventually be keeper of the great mountains. She would be the one that would light the way for the great witches at end of days.